1: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday
2: edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Aha, ha, ha, ha. Yeah! What do
3: everybody and welcome to episode 767 of locked on raptors where vivek jacob and i continue to joyride the jalopy that sean woodley built uh no i'm kidding it's a great car it runs very smooth this isn't an early ad read i promise um yeah but we're we're trying our best here we're trying to pull our weight while sean's gone on vacation at a very opportune time of course Uh, Joining me today, though, is someone I'm pretty excited about having on my show now, uh, is my good buddy, NBA writer at CBS, James Herbert. James, how you doing?
2: I am doing well. Thank you for having me. I assume we'll only be talking about Jared Allen's big sweeping dunk on Serge Ibaka the entire time. (laughs) Even though this is a Raptors podcast, I just figured that's the subject that you want to discuss.
3: Uh, Yeah, and that's kind of my um, secret plan is to turn this into locked on Jared Allen. And hopefully there's room in the network to expand. (laughs)
2: What what are you going to do like a couple of weeks from now?
3: Um, I figure I would, I would like go back to his Instagram. You know, I always think of that picture of him with the giraffe from last summer. Um, I mean, you know, cause he's a pretty, you know, this, he's a pretty low profile quiet guy. So obviously there'll be stretches, but I imagine a lot of guest spots, probably you'll feature very heavily. Um, <laughs> a lot of discussion around Jared's love of robotics. Um, mm-hmm. And probably a lot of breakdowns of Jared Allen's dunks.
2: Yeah. I mean, we actually could do a, po- I mean, we shouldn't do that, but like <laughs> Jared Allen in the bubble has been awesome. Like, I am he has loving been. it. He is doing lots more stuff. Um, but it, it, I, again, it it doesn't really feel like the most pertinent thing.
3: No, I, I suppose the most pertinent thing is that the Raptors broke their game one of the NBA playoffs round one curse tonight. Yeah. I mean, like, I I feel like
2: (laughs) it's weird. Like I I've seen a lot of that and I saw a lot of like the jokes going into this game and I just, I kind of felt like we were done with that after they won the title. But I, I yeah. it is the first game of the playoffs. So technically, they exercised some more demons. I just, I I guess, I don't know. I don't think of this as a team that has any demons left.
3: I, I hope so. I mean, I will say, though, I don't know. I guess I do get weirdly superstitious. And I mostly do on Kyle Lowry's behalf, though. He would be the last, like, the first one to say, like, please stop doing that. Um, <laughs> and also, like, I don't really care. But... The, this win, securing this win and then securing this, the series win over the Nets, even though there are literally no pieces left of that Nets team, of which we shall not speak, uh, that blocked the shot in game seven left. I do still feel like, if not for the Raptors franchise, it's kind of a full circle, more symbolic uh, exorcism for Kyle Lowry.
2: Yeah, so so when the Nets had like the perfect, dream third quarter were you was there a part of you that was like oh it's all falling <laughs> apart is that is that still there
3: um no i mean i liked it <laughs> i was very comfortable when we were up like 33 points i think and then i was like oh you're so like you're such a brat like you can't be nervous <laughs> and be like oh, i want I, we can only exist in that world like there's going to be really close games in this series i'm sure and like going forward so that nerves, I feel like that's just left over from being a Raptors fan, you know, and like mm-hmm. watching Raptors games before this time. But no, you're right. Like should probably calm down and like talk myself down. But no, I wasn't really that worried. I actually took my dogs out for a really quick walk during that <laughs> quarter, which worked out really well.
2: <laughs> it's funny. Like Kyle Lowry said, I was just on the like Zoom post game thing. And he was talking about how like – especially after their run last year, it's like, they just, they know that things aren't always going to go perfectly. And I think this was like such a talking point last year. Um, I think both because of that game one that (laughs) we've already kind of talked about the curse, but just because of how (laughs) bad they looked for a lot of that game against Orlando, um, because they had, you know, a, a game against Milwaukee, a game against Philly where they just came out and looked like garbage. And like people, some, like some people just like wrote them off after that. And then, there were times in games where they looked flat for a few minutes and then they would come back and they would they would end up winning the game they obviously ended up winning the title and i think a lot of us were writing about talking about just how resilient the team was and how steady they were and um i think the easy thing at the time was to attribute all of that to Kawhi leonard and just talk about mm-hmm. how you know he he's an NBA champion he's a finals MVP and he appears to have no emotion whatsoever and he just doesn't get rattled and he doesn't seem affected by anything and he just seems like he goes out there and he does his thing and it was like it it seemed like he was the kind of guy that was like playing in a bubble even when we weren't talking about people playing basketball in a bubble but i think it, really it was not just him like Marcus All i think defined that uh, as much as anybody, um, like I think Nick Nurse honestly personified that. Like he just came in and had that vibe about him all year that was like just kind of stay in the present um, while at the same time being mindful of like what the big picture for the team was and not like the. I think in the past, Raptors teams like you'd hear like Lowry and Damar talk about not getting too high and not getting too low, but it always just seemed like a massive cliche that didn't actually really feel like how they were experiencing anything and I think this team has just been like that and mm-hmm. it doesn't exactly fit to talk about that in a game where the Raptors led wire to wire um, and dominated for the vast majority of it but Kyle even brought that up today referencing that third quarter and I think that is sort of relevant it's like they just kind of do their thing and they're not gonna get like freaked out about like Timotei Luau Cabro hitting a bunch of threes like like, certainly not
3: <laughs> but on the note of as you very aptly put it I think like cliches and like cliches of fandom but and and managing whether it's fake stress at, or nerves of that third quarter um, but yeah between managing nerves of that the Raptors are going to bail on another game one and managing what you're going to scarf while you're watching them <laughs> you've got plenty on your plate <laughs> Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. Uh, Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKDOWNMBA. That's $5 off your your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKDOWNMBA. Don't forget LOCKDOWNMBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Okay, so my very smooth seed. I do want to go back to the Zoom uh, because I don't think we can get into the Raptors 134 over the Sad Nets 110 score win uh, without talking about team intros. And specifically what you Mm -hmm. told me before we started recording about what Kyle said on on the call about this the intros
2: yeah i mean it was actually pretty sweet like he was saying you know this is something he'll remember forever and like some guys felt like oh maybe they're gonna cry but they knew they couldn't <laughs> because they're <were> about <laughs> to play a basketball game but i mean Lowry did say that it hyped him up and got him going and i mean like you could see it like just watching that video i think like fred's kids and Lowry's kids were the stars Um, Mm -hmm. and it was good that those two were the last two introduced because I thought that was just perfect, but yeah, it was, it was a sweet gesture. And I think like, I don't know if Lowry really, really wants to take credit for it, but like clearly when he went on Twitter and praised the Suns for doing it, that set this in motion. I think that's obvious.
3: I hope it's obvious. I also talk very loudly about it, uh, multiple, uh, podcasts and platforms. So, you know, I hope I had some small hand (laughs) enforcing the Raptors media team's hand, but, I'm sure you're just to, as
2: influential as Lowry yeah, within the organization. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Though they didn't send me the hot dogs care package. And as I said to you, I think I'm the only one that eats the hot dogs in the media room. But whatever. I don't, I'm not dwelling on that. Um, I did want to ask, no, of course, if you think, given the like kind of zeal and energy the raptors came out with, and like a little bit of brutality against the Nets in that first quarter after seeing those intros and obviously feeling so fired up and like emotional and like emotionally empowered by their families. Do you think the Nets are going to co-opt this for the next game, (laughs) considering how much it charged the Raptors up? And I want to make the note that I'm okay with every NBA team doing this now and like in perpetuity, but specifically do you think the Nets are going to pull this one out next game?
2: I think they should do it. I I'm not sure if they're allowed to do it. next next game. Wow, well, Nets game. Um, I don't, I'm not sure they're allowed to do it next game. I think they might have to wait till game three when it's their home game because I don't think they would be allowed to really have influence over. True. True. What <laughs> what happens at that juncture? But I'm okay, not not an next game. On these their these next bubble rules. But home game. Yes, yeah. but I think they absolutely should.
3: <laughs> I don't know any of the Nets family members as much as I feel like I intimately know. Raptors family members are there like I mean they don't have a Cameron and a Carter Lowry equivalent do they
2: not really um I mean it's a younger team uh and Karis has a a brother that's always around um so I mean like Pascal let his brother do it right like yeah I don't know yeah I'm trying to think if anybody (laughs) on the team I don't think anybody in the starting lineup has kids now that I think about it
3: okay
2: right now because I, I had to think about again who was in the starting lineup at this point i'm <laughs> yeah. um, like didn't didn't what he does um but 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 yeah no i, I don't i don't think that would work I, but i mean you you can still get people's parents and siblings and close friends and what have you and i, I think they should do something they, they could I, I mean if it were the knicks i would assume they would just get like their like celebrity fans to do something super corny but I don't know how like the Nets have a few celebrity fans but not many I could have like Andrew Yang up there
3: yeah it's like Jay-Z still involved in the franchise eh. in even in like a fandom capacity I don't think so <laughs> I think he's distanced really. himself
2: <laughs> yeah I haven't seen him at a Meta game I don't think even once since I've since I lived okay. in Brooklyn
3: maybe once, so that's not I an remember. option unfortunately
2: no, I just, um, like there have been other like New York <laughs> rappers and stuff that have been at, at games but not not jay
3: okay well on a less depressing note, i think we should talk about fred um <laughs> who i I <laughs> mean we, game for fred pardon <laughs> decent game for fred yeah yeah pretty decent game for fred 30 points 11 assists uh eight to this is funny eight to ten three points does that just mean they haven't confirmed them yet <laughs> That's what it's that's what it says in the box score. So it says eight, 8 to, to ten? 10. 8 to 10. Oh. In the in the range. Uh, <laughs> so perhaps it's unconfirmed at the time of recording, but I thought pretty cool that he apparently joins Chris Paul, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry as the only players with 30 plus points, 10 plus assists and 8 plus threes in a playoff game in all of NBA history, which is like pretty decent company for somebody who went undrafted constantly having to like i don't think anymore but for a long time constantly had to prove who he was when people are like who's fred van Vliet? who's this yeah. like little fearless annoying guy on court now no now i think everybody is like lining up to pay him the big bucks
2: yeah for sure and i think what stuck out is like the way he did it it was very similar to me to like the way he erupted in last year's playoffs and honestly like most of his high scoring games are similar like he doesn't really like take over games in like a loud and intentional way he just kind of plays his game and takes the shots are there and i thought like some of this was like just on the nets like they were going under some screens they were giving him some wide open threes and he's just gonna step into those and take them and he just he happened to Make pretty much all of them. I, I thought he played like honestly close to a flawless game, and he was really good on defense too. Like it was just kind of like peak Fred. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think he did anything out of character whatsoever. Like those were really good looks, and it it wasn't even like he was out here taking like massive heat check shots. Like I think he felt like he was in a really good rhythm, and he was going to shoot confidently. But that's kind of what he does anyway. Like they they were mostly like just him getting shots within the flow of the offense. He had a couple of plays where he would like push it in transition. He had one like awesome finish over Jared Allen, but like for the most part, like if Fred Van Vliet is getting open looks from three point range, whether they're spot ups or whether he's like coming off of pick and rolls and just shooting deep ones, like he's going to make a lot of them. Like he's Mm -hmm. up there on the leaderboard when, when it comes to, open threes and catch and shoot threes like this is this is who he is it was just the way the nets were playing him especially at first like those shots were kind of there and uh that 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 to me is like the beautiful thing about this raptors team in general is like for the most part like when kyle puts up a ton of points or when fred puts up a ton of points it, it just kind of happens with pascal i think it's a little different sometimes it can be like all right he is he's like feeling himself today he's on one but like I, I feel like with Fred, he was just playing super well and the, the offense was really humming and the nets, this iteration of the nets in particular is like not a good defensive team whatsoever. I think they were having a lot of trouble dealing with how the Raptors were playing, obviously, especially in the first half, but for most of the game and he just kind of killed it.
3: Do you think there's like a good, like ma- a good matchup that the nets can kind of pull, pull out and adjust to like answer for someone like Fred, because like, As you said, they aren't the strongest team defensively, and I think their offense is, like, so generative of, you know, these kind of, like, really far-out, like, dagger-type shots. But I was even actually surprised that somebody like Tyler Johnson, who is weirdly one of those players that, like, comes alive against the Raptors, was a bit quiet. Um, Joe Harris, who would weirdly fit in well on the Raptors, was would fit in well, I,
2: like, anywhere, but especially that's true. a team that's that true. has, like, a, like, an unselfish team that moves the ball like it does. Yeah,
3: of course. Mm-hmm. But do you think – I mean, I guess just, like, what do you think that – how do you think they can adjust to sort of answer for someone as, like, relentless as, like, Lowry? Like, Lowry, I think – tonight, actually, this is a little OT, but, like, when Lowry was kind of, like, sinking them from deep, you forget sometimes and you shouldn't, but you're like, oh, yeah, like, when Lowry makes those shots, as you said – it's just effortless. It's like not like he mm-hmm. he's he gained some momentum and he like he like got away in transition. He's just like, I'm gonna just do this now. And it's very similar with Fred. They're just very unperturbed by like what else is happening and like the noise and the chatter of the game. But like I feel like that throws the nets off quite a bit.
2: Yeah, and I thought Lowry was like pretty aggressive looking for those. Like he didn't have the offensive game that Fred did. He didn't shoot as well. But I mean, I like that he was taking those transition threes. He was taking Mm -hmm. deep threes. He made a few of them early. Um, But I mean, part of the problem with this Nets team is like, they're not super deep and they don't have a lot of like really versatile defenders. I think ideally what you want against Lowry and Fred is you want to put bigger guys that can also stay in front of them. Like that's what, that's what you want. Like you kind of want to crowd them. You want to pressure them. Um, You don't want to let them feel comfortable. Um, and I think maybe the best option they have is uh, the deep reserve Jeremiah Martin, who we saw in the <laughs> second half. I don't know if he played as a, a single second uh, in, in the first half of that game, but I thought he played pretty well. Uh, he's really long. He's athletic. Uh, he made a couple of shots tonight too. He's not really known as shooter um, or maybe I think he made at least one three. I don't know if he made more than one three, uh, but I I thought defensively like that guy was like playing his ass off. And like, d- does that mean he's going to get like major minutes is going to be like the first sub off the bench, picking up or whichever Raptor guard is playing better. Like I have no idea what Jock bon is going to do. I don't know how deep he wants to go. Um, but that I don't have a ton of like creative answers. Here.
3: <laughs> Isn't it weird though? Like how the, like I know, I know the the Raptors can go big. Like they, we saw it like the gargantuan lineup. I think, kind of like midway through the first, but the Raptors are still a team that kind of strike me more strong than like big. But against the Nets, I feel like they made the Nets look like very small, (laughs) like (laughs) really, really small. And I like Gasol is obviously a huge reason for that, who unfortunately didn't come back at all in the second half. Um, But yeah, they like, they seemed a little bit, uh, size wise, they were kind of like hulking over Brooklyn too.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially when Allen's out of the game, I mean, they can go with Dante Hall if they want, but like they've gone with Karutz at five and I just don't think he's very comfortable there, especially in a game as intense as this. And like he fouled out in like 16 minutes or whatever. And like, I just, I don't like, I, I feel for Jacques Vaughn there because I don't know that there's like a, a lot of good options and whether the, the Raptors have, that jumbo lineup out there or not, like Pascal Siakam, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, like whoever is there playing the four, like they're probably going to be a long athletic guy that can switch on to smaller players and can kind of be physical on the inside. And like the, the nets are just kind of built differently, <laughs> like Timotei Luau Cabreau, he's had an amazing game like and and he has honestly been a really good find for Brooklyn and he's been particularly impressive in the bubble i think was, he's stretched a little bit too far you saw him try to make some plays off the bounce but like when he is playing 4 like he is just not a particularly physical player like he is long but he's mm-hmm. been a perimeter player his entire life and i don't think he's super comfortable playing at the position um but like i don't have a better suggestion uh for for the nets again like it just th- this is how they're built and like they're not you know like i mean karis lavert like i think can capably play like 1 2 or 3 for you uh like joe harris you can play him at the 2 and like he is pretty big for a 2 he's about average size for a 3 like there, there's different looks they can go but again it's just like because of like what has happened to their roster uh they there are usually like giving up something, whether it's like a shooter that can't really defend or a defender that can't really shoot. <laughs> like it, it, they don't have the, the same kind of luxuries the Raptors do to, to mix and match that way and like play big or play small. Like they, they, we saw the Nets go small, but they mm-hmm. look incredibly small.
3: Miniature. Um, well, speaking of how teams are built just in time for the season relaunch, Bilt Bar has added all new flavors to their roster. We've got On Deck, Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry, barcia. that's pretty good, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. Uh, I still really want to try these things because Sean is always yakking about how delicious they are, Um, but, you know, they're also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, all that because, you know... We're all in, we were all in Quar. We're living in different states of reopening now. It's okay if you overindulge a little bit. It's fine. You've got to find comfort where you can. Uh, but if you go to Built Bar and use promo code On, you'll get $10 off your next order. So that's promo code Locked On. all caps, one word, for $10 off at Built Bar. Okay.
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, "Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there."
3: <laughs> Another flawless transition. And speaking of flawless transitions, no, I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> the Raptors on really the floor and well to the. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did, did. that's
2: not, that's not wrong. Yeah,
3: they did. But this is a kind of game where, um, you know, I'm a Nets fan. You're a Nets fan to some degree. You also cover the team. So you have like a different knowledge than I do, which is like purely fandom of individual pieces. But one of, I think it was, one of the announcers on the Canadian broadcast made the comment of just like how the Nets kind of like bet the farm, you know, on that team with KG and Paul Pierce and they wanted to make a run at the title that year. And it obviously didn't work out, but how bad, how bad is it okay to feel for a team like this Nets? do you think? Because they're now just kind of starting now. And I think last year, they showed glimmers of it too, starting to gain more momentum and kind of come back and you're sort of seeing what the like next gen of them could be capable of, but you know, they've got like an interim coach, I'm not really sure. I mean, they. This is the thing. I also just forgot they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie, who just like aren't. Playing.
2: <laughs> that's be. the thing. That's why I don't think like you can feel particularly bad for the like any like. At least yeah, the I just totally blanked on. Like, <laughs> no, but but it's but it's super weird though because it's weird. ordinarily, if 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 what you just said was not true, uh, if if it were not true, if they did not have the summer that they had last summer, then. This would just like there would be nothing weird about what's happening. You would think about them similarly to the Suns, right? Like Mm -hmm. you would just be like, "Oh, like Karis LeVert, this is the best basketball he's played in his entire life." Like he came back from the hiatus, and it seems like he spent the entire time just like studying great point guards because it appears like the game has slowed down for him. Uh, He is manipulating the defense in the pick and roll. He like the Raptors made him. A little bit uncomfortable at times today especially in the first half like they obviously were coming out there with the mindset of like anybody but him um which makes a lot of sense against this version of the nets but i mean he ends up piling on assists uh, i thought he did a really like phenomenal job in the third quarter and his teammates did a much better job of kind of being in the right places and keeping the ball movement and not getting as spooked as normal about like the Raptors relentlessly closing out on them and making them drive and kick multiple times. Like I just thought that Karis um, set the tone for them to like even have a little bit of a comeback rather than just laying down. Cause I thought he played a really mature game and normally like you're, you're looking at this and it's just like, well, he's the future of the team. And like, we'll see how they figure things out with like him and Spencer Dinwiddie, like splitting the like playmaking responsibility next year. But like, I don't know if Karis LeVert's is going to be on the team next year. I don't know if Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be on the team next year. Jacques Vaughn has obviously done a really good job in like extremely strange circumstances, but like I doubt he's going to be the coach of the team (laughs) next year. So there's just a very like kind of provisional aspect to this entire season, even when Mm -hmm. they had Kyrie Irving, even when they had a whole bunch of other players that aren't here, like DeAndre Jordan and Torian Prince. Um, like, it it was always, like, sort of an audition to be on next year's team. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. But
2: now it's just, it's so much weirder. Like, even Jared Allen. Like, Jared Allen, I don't think, could have, like, handled all of this much better. Like, you, you have seen him play a very different sort of role than he did uh, for the entire season and, honestly, his entire career and it's been really encouraging but if they're committed to Deandre Jordan being the guy then i don't i don't know if Jared Allen is on this team like it, it, all indications are that they're going to try to make a trade for like some third quote unquote star i don't know how many of those guys are actually available so i don't know how realistic that is um, but it just could look so different and probably will and i think in some ways like if Jacques Vaughn does keep the job and it would be a bit of an upset if he does but if he does then I think you you'll be able to look at this and read certain things into like what he did here I I think it makes sense they're shooting like way more mid-range shots uh than they did under Atkinson and even under Vaughn and the few games that he coached before the hiatus I think it makes sense that they're um running more stuff for like Karis like giving him the ball like in the post uh, I I think it makes Mm. more sense that they're doing all these like handoff things with, with Jared Allen. Like I think he's kind of auditioning for that job by installing an offense. That's like, I think it, it works with the personnel they have now. Yes. But I think it, it has the dual kind of, uh, you know, benefit of being something he could conceivably install when Kyrie and KD are on the team. Um, but yeah. I just, I, even after I say that, I I <laughs> doubt he's going to be the coach.
3: I mean, the better question maybe is then like, how, okay, is it, how, is it okay to feel bad for someone like Kara Sliver or like Jared Allen, who I do feel bad for, because I think if, it, if this truly, if this season was truly like an audition, as you say for next season, which does make a lot of sense. I also think when you're looking at the way that they're playing now, which is like kind of. I just like love it when teams are like generating their own spark and they're doing it in like whatever weird ways make sense to them. And it's like sometimes the basketball is usually not that like beautiful or like, you know, star studded to watch, but it's, it's much more fun to me. It's like very scrappy. Uh, This is as an outside observer. It's not as like in the hot seat as this is your team, but you kind of like, they're going to lose that next year because I think the way that they're playing now that blueprint can't really fit under KD, like it can't fit under Kyrie because those are, they're going to be the dominant players on the team. And they're going to expect to have a say in kind of what happens on the floor. And they, I don't think they really want to, they've in their minds, I think they've evolved from like having to play that kind of basketball.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why like the bubble nets as weird as they've been have been fun is because they've had that spirit about them that I think the nets had pre KD and Kyrie and, Mm -hmm. That that whole time under Kenny Atkinson, um, even before like they had like they made the playoffs last year, like even when they were a bad team, they were a fun bad team. I really liked watching them. I thought they played an unselfish brand of basketball. I thought they played a smart, modern brand of basketball. Um, it was a little bit predictable. Like they, you kind of knew they were going to do like the, basically the same thing every night, often possession after possession, the, the same thing. But I also thought that makes sense for a young team you're trying to like establish a foundation you're trying to um kind of help players grow and and make them fit into the the roles that you imagine them playing when the team is good and that takes some time and i i I thought they did like a masterful job with all of that and like the team unmistakably had like a very different vibe all year and like i didn't it wasn't that everybody could tell like ooh like atkinson's (laughs) gonna get fired like i mean there were like some rumblings of that um Mm -hmm. i guess but it was just different. The The expectations were different. Um, the chemistry was obviously different. Just the vibe around the team was totally different. They had, it wasn't just the stars that changed. They had an entirely new group of, of veterans on the team. Like the previous year it was like Jared Dudley and Ed Davis and Damari Carroll. Um, and like, it's not that they have bad veterans now. Like I wrote a whole feature on Garrett Temple at the beginning of the year. Like, I, I think he's a great guy to have in a locker room. Everybody loves DeAndre Jordan. Um, it, it's just, it was a different vibe. And I think just because they are in this strange bubble scenario and because everybody said they shouldn't be there uh, and because they exceeded expectations, it has felt like something like what we saw the, the previous couple of years especially because you know like Joe Harris Karis Levert and Jared Allen are the three most important players on the team and they're the three guys that they have that were like homegrown mm-hmm. you know like the, those are the guys. I mean Dinwiddie could be too but he, he's not there but I think it is important that the three best players they have right now are guys that they developed I they, I know they didn't draft Joe Harris but they picked him up off the freaking scrap heap and <laughs> I, I think it it is heartening to see them play like this, but it is also kind of bittersweet and weird knowing that like yeah, they could like, yeah, maybe they're auditioning to to stay on the Nets because of how well they're playing, but also maybe they're just auditioning to the rest of the league and I- improving their trade value.
3: That's yeah. how it goes. Yeah, no, that is how it goes. And I do, I just <laughs> want to remind everyone, we're spending uh, this much time talking about the Nets because I strictly do not feel all that concerned anymore about the Raptors' (laughs) Uh, chances in this series or what they're doing, what they're going to do kind of going forward. Um, I think, like, they really quickly tonight showed how they can adjust and, like, tighten up again. I think with a team like the Nets, the only time you're going to have any trouble is where you kind of let them gain several inches and you slack off a bit. Like, it felt cruel in the end to, like, maybe win by that much and, like, they led at the beginning – like, you don't need to blow them out every night, but you do need to, like, stake out, I think, a substantial padding uh, against this team because if they get hot, you know, or their shooting, you know, goes up and, like, those guys that we know to be, like, great perimeter shooters come back and, like, hit all their shots, then the Raptors are in trouble because they don't necessarily have an answer for that as on-demand as the Nets can have. Um, So, yeah, I'm not really that worried anymore. Do you think – do you think this is going to be a straight sweep now that you saw game one? Do you feel like the Nets are going to take one? I still think they're going to take one.
2: I predicted a sweep, and I oh. didn't see anything tonight that would have me change that. Uh, okay. Okay. Prediction, like, but I do think I, I do think actually, like, the the third quarter was the blueprint for sort of what a Nets win would look like, right? Is like, yeah. They were just moving the ball super well and like making all of their shots, <laughs> like like everything. Like, and I, I didn't even think the Nets' like defense was incredible in that third quarter. It was just their offense mm. was awesome, and the Raptors were missing some shots. And that that's kind of the way that this can go. I think if if you're looking from a Raptors perspective, like the concern about this team is the the half court offense, right? Like there there's not much else to worry about based on how this season has gone um maybe you could point to like certain players uh mostly bench players in the rotation that haven't looked great at least consistently in the bubble and like concern troll that part uh if if you want to get to like like that level but i think from a broader perspective like it's pretty much just a half-court offense and that looked awesome all night um a little bit in the third quarter it it kind of wavered a little just in terms of the energy but i feel like mostly just there's missed shots and the nets were playing super confidently and I would credit the Nets for that run. And I would say that yeah, there's it's perfectly possible that you can get more than a quarter of that in a different game and it comes down to the last couple of minutes and the Nets are playing really free and they have nothing to lose and they end up stealing one. But I it's like while that is possible, I I'm still pretty comfortable with the picking a sweep in this.
3: Do you think it's going to turn chippy because we saw some some stuff? <laughs> Mostly oh. with like point one or two seconds to go, uh, a little too late. But I was sort of surprised because I didn't really think. I know that people say like, oh, especially like teams that play each other a lot, especially with they're in the same conference, like they kind of build up a bit of a animosity. But I've never really felt that. Not with these nets, I've never really felt that between the Raptors. Aside from your weird outliers, as I mentioned, like Tyler Johnson, who could be very frustrating, but Outright, like chippiness, that was kind of surprising to me.
2: Well, it, you, you would need Justin Anderson and Terrence Davis to be on the court at the <laughs> same time again, and Justin That's Anderson true. didn't check in until <laughs> like it was like deep true, garbage time. <laughs> but, but, not, but I mean, Justin Anderson gave them some good minutes in the seating games, and like, like he is a guy. I mean, t- he is not somebody who I would say they should have defending Fred VanVleet. Like, no, no, no. But he is like. A big, strong, and athletic dude um, that is versatile and can switch a little bit. You just wouldn't want him switching onto a point guard. Um, so it it would not shock me if he found his way into the rotation. I just don't know that that's necessarily going to be the move that Bond makes in, in game two. This is way too deep analysis on this series, but uh, it's okay. Not nah, like <laughs> I would love it if it got chippy, simply because like it does seem so lopsided. Yes. and yeah. it would just make things more interesting if there it were would
3: some but i wouldn't want to like but... forfeit like i wouldn't want i wouldn't want that to fall you don't want your friends on... kyle and
2: Jarrett to be mad exactly. at each other that's no, what you I, want to I, say
3: yeah that absolutely would be really hurtful to me and i don't want anything <laughs> negative to like fall on the raptors as like a weird like doom clap if if anything did kind of turn ship beat when they move forward uh, into the rest of the playoffs
2: how things have changed where like the Raptors would be the team punching down and being bullies and everybody would take the yeah. other team aside. This, yeah. is, <laughs> this is why you're uncomfortable <laughs> with it. I bet. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, the, yes, but I would say they're not usually bullies. You know, they like, I like their position no. as bead, especially this season. They kind of seem to be operating on a little bit of a different plane. You're walking with their heads held high. They're not really engaging and, and all that kind of stuff. They're not scared of it. And I've seen them like, you know, kind of, um, look as if they weren't going to back down from something, but they're not out there like looking for that kind of thing. Like they have a handle on themselves in that sense, but yeah, ultimately I won't be able to take it. Um, if something happened between <laughs> Kyle and Jarrett, that would be really tough for me. Um, yeah, I mean, we should, we, we should call this an app because I think we would just keep talking about either Jarrett or the Nets, uh, and I don't think people would like that. So um, I can't believe I finally get to do this to ask someone, let alone a friend of mine, but James, do you have anything to plug?
2: Oh boy, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I guess um, I'll use this platform to say that I I wrote a feature on Fred and it was it has nothing to do with him scoring all of these points because I didn't mention offense at all. It was just like a a profile on him uh, where I basically, challenged myself to not write about offense whatsoever so i i talked about what makes him such a great defender and i talked to his former coaches about how he developed on that end and all that stuff um and so yeah that's that's i mean if you just if you search fred van vliet cbs sports and my name then you'll you'll find that story i was uh it it was it's fun to do that just because like he's one of the best like interviews in the entire league so he's fun to talk to but also like to talk to people about him like Mm -hmm. all his former coach like he's he's like a coach's dream for like every obvious reason if you watch the raptors as closely as as you guys do like so they love him as much as you would expect and uh i I think he was also kind of like happy to talk about defense because that's not what people talk about first with him because people look at him and see this kind of little dude uh and you don't think of him as a stopper but like he had thoughts on that too so that that was that was fun for me um and it's not i i i don't know i published it probably a month ago so it's, it's awesome. excellent i but, read yeah. it i like
3: gave myself some time uh to like properly sit down and read it um because you wrote it because also it's on Fred and it just turned out to be like, every time I thought I was getting to the best part, you would just keep reading them. There would be like another gem, mostly as you said, from his coaches and the people who like people love him so much that they really want to talk about him, not just talk about like how good he is, but really like have, have it make sense. Have you see him as they see him in their eyes and like translate that to you through like their raw emotions. Um, so that's always a fun, fun read. And you wrote it. You like managed to write that and like condense it and capture it really well. And I think it's like very evergreen. It's like regardless of like I mean, for Fred, he is very evergreen this season, but whatever he is and whatever's going on now, it's like a very nice thing to read. So I would give a second recommendation to that.
2: It was extremely nice of you.
3: Yes. Well, here I'm just I'm doing my part-time job here. Um as for me, uh, I'll be doing a few more of these, whether you like it or not. And um, what else can I tell you? You can uh, you can listen and follow Dishes and Dimes. We got our first one-star review uh, from Very Angry Man today um, on Apple, I think. So if you want to give us – give this show ratings first, and then you can go and give Dishes and Dimes some five-star reviews. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Whatevs. James is, of course, at Outside the NBA. Uh And I think that's going to do it. So I forget how Sean signs off. So I'm just going to say we're going to talk to you soon. Probably it'll be Vivek or, or myself or Sean uh, on the next episode of Lockdown Raptors. <laughs>